Chapter 5 of Pipefuls. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Chessie Joy. Pipefuls by Christopher Morley. Chapter 5 Safety Pins. Ligature of Infancy. Healing Engine of Emergency. Base and Mainstay of Our Civilization. We celebrate the safety pin. What would we do without safety pins? Is it not odd to think, looking upon us on our fellow men, bearded realtors, ejaculating poets, plump and ruddy policemen, even the cheerful dusky creature who runs the elevator and whistles, Oh, what a pal was merry, as the clock draws near 6 p.m.? All these were first housed and swaddled and made seemly with a paper of safety pins. How is it that the inventor who first conferred this great gift on the world is not known by name for the admiration and applause of posterity? Was it not the safety pin that made the world safe for infancy? There will be some, mayhap, to set up the button as rival to the safety pin in service to humanity. But our homage bends toward the former. Not only was it our shield and buckler when we were too puny and impish to help ourselves, but it is also now we are parent, symbol of many a hard-fought field where we have campaigned all over the white counterpane of a large bed to establish an urchin in his proper gear, while he kicked and scrambled, witless of our dismay. It is fortunate, pardee, that human memory does not extend backward to the safety-pin era. Happily, the recording carbon sheet of the mind is not inserted on the roller of experience until after the singular humiliations of earliest childhood have passed. Otherwise, our first recollection would doubtless be of the grimly flushed large face of a resolute parent, bending hotly downward in effort to make both ends meet while we wambled and waggled in innocent, maddening sport. In those days, when life was, as George Herbert put it, assorted sorrows, anguish of all sizes, the safety pin was the only thing that raised us above the bandar log. Not only the antique schoolmen used to enjoy computing the number of angels that might dance on the point of a pin, but only archangels would be worthy to pirouette on a safety pin, which is indeed mightier than the sword. While Adam delved and Eve did spin, what did they do for a safety pin? Great is the stride when an infant passes from the safety pin period to the age of buttons. There are three ages of human beings in this matter. Number one, safety pins. Number two, buttons. Number three, studs, or, for females, hooks and eyes. Now there is an interim in the life of man when he passes away from safety pins and, for a season, knows them not, save as mere convenience in case of breakdown. He thinks of them, in his antic bachelor years, as merely the wrecking train of the sartorial system, a casual conjunction for pajamas, or an impromptu hoist for small clothes. Ah, with humility and gratitude, he greets them again later, seeing them at their true worth, the symbol of integration for the whole social fabric. Women, with their intuitive wisdom, are more subtle on this subject. They never wholly outgrow safety pins, and though they love to ornament them with jewelry, precious metal, and enamels, they are not but safety pins after all. 
Some ingenious philosopher could write a full tractate on women in her relation to pins. Hair pins, clothes pins, rolling pins, hat pins. Only a bachelor, as we have implied, scoffs at pins. Hamlet remarked, after seeing the ghost, and not having any Sir Oliver Lodge handy to reassure him, that he did not value his life at a pin's fee. Pope, we believe, coined the contemptuous phrase, I care not to pin. The pin has never been done justice in the world of poetry. As one might say, the pin has had no pindar. Of course, there is the old saw about see a pin and pick it up all the day you'll have good luck. This couplet, barbarous as it is in its false rhyme, points, as Mother Goose generally does, to a profound truth. When you see a pin, you must pick it up. In other words, it is on the floor, where pins generally are. Their instinctive affinity for terra firma makes one wonder why they, rather than the apple, did not suggest the law of gravitation to someone long before Newton. Incidentally, of course, the reason why Adam and Eve were forbidden to pick the apple was that it was supposed to stay on the tree until it fell, and Adam would then have had the credit of spotting the principle of gravitation. Much more might be said about pins, touching upon their curious capacity for disappearing, superstitions concerning them, usefulness of hat-pins or hair-pins as pipe-cleaners, usefulness of pins to schoolboys, both when bent for fishing and when filed to an extra point for use on the boy in the seat in front, honoring him in the breach, as Hamlet would have said, and their curious habits of turning up in unexpected places, undoubtedly caught by pins in their long association with the lovelier sex. But, of these useful hyphens of raiment, we will merely conclude by saying that those interested in the pin industry will probably emigrate to England, for we learn from the Encyclopedia Britannica that in that happy island pins are cleaned by being boiled in weak beer. Let it not be forgotten, however, that of all kinds the safety is the kingpin. End of chapter 5